1: Hi, this is Jim Tomey, and the best White Sox talk is on Locked On Sox Podcast with Tanny and, Tanny and Herb. Tanny and Herb. Hello, and welcome
0: back to Locked On Sox. My name is Herb Lawrence, and sitting at his palatial estate in the city of Chicago. It's Chris Tannehill. Chris, how's this evening treating you?
1: Oh, and the city beautiful, as Hawk used to say. Well, I think we can hit the button tonight. Uh, the Sox won something. Isn't that right, Bill Walton? The White Sox win. Print the banner. Line up the parade. Michigan Avenue on the Studge Turtle Bridge Division Street. Let's go. Absolutely. Uh, Jose Abreu is your 2020 American League MVP Award winner. Uh, What a crazy year. What a great year for Jose Abreu. We'll talk about the year he had in general and also his White Sox career, his improbable uh, journey to the White Sox stardom. But also in this episode, we have uh, some audio treats for you. Jose Abreu was asked in his teleconference following winning the MVP Award. He was asked about Tony La Russa. And also, I have prepared a very special 2020 MVP-to season montage for your your listening ears to feast on tonight. Uh, so we'll bring that to you in today's edition of Lockdown of White Sox as well. Uh, but yeah, so let's just get right to it. Jose Abreu, the first White Sox American League MVP in 26 years. Frank Thomas, of course, did it also in a shortened season, in the strike-shortened season of 1994. And he did it in 93 as well. He uh, Jose Abreu is only now the, the fifth time the White Sox have had an American League MVP award winner. So you've got Big Frank doing it twice, Nellie Fox, Dick Allen, and now Jose Abreu. Your thoughts on his season in general, Jose Abreu, like your, your takeaways from his 2020, and what were your first reactions after seeing him sitting there uh, and when the name was called by Josh Donaldson that he was the MVP, what, what was like the first thing that popped into your head? Um,
0: just this um, remarkable journey from being a guy in Cuba dominating down there, his story of leaving that country onto the cover of darkness, danger that was lurking everywhere, him eating his passport in the uh, airport airplane in bathroom, all these things just go through my mind and then remembering his rookie year which was awesome it's just you burst into the scene won the rookie of the year and then the struggles later in his career and I'll put those in quotes struggles he just wasn't the player he was with his rookie year and then this year he was the player he was his rookie year and more and the fact that a White Sox player like you said, it's 26 years since they last had an MVP and that was Frank Thomas. We were kids, so we're like, oh, this thing happens every year. 93, 94, <laughs> this is just happens. This is what happens to good teams like the White Sox and we know better that you know the White Sox don't win this award every year. And so have the guy that is the best player in the American League on your team feels good.
1: Yeah, I remember. You know, Frank Thomas in 1994. I mean, you know, basically, you could have told me he, you could walk on water, and I would believe you. I mean, you know, obviously, you know, big Frank being my favorite player of all time, and and it kind of taught me lessons about baseball. Getting to your to your point, you just mentioned there, like you know. My my guys were Frank Thomas, and of course, growing up in Chicago I was a big Michael Jordan fan. And you have Michael Jordan just every year going out, winning, being excellent, and Frank Thomas keeping up sort of that pace on an individual scale. And you think that that'll last forever. And Frank Thomas is obviously a Hall of Famer, but he never won another MVP award. Um, you know, I saw Jason Giambi on this list as one of the only other first basemen to win uh, Giambi in 2000, who, of course, stole the MVP award from Frank Thomas that year. And then Justin Morneau uh, in 2006 winning one. But yeah, it, it goes to show you like, you know, n- nothing is guaranteed in this game. We talk about it all the time. But hey, can I
0: speak to that Jason Giambi thing before? He, please uh, do. Before we close. It's because people put those so much weight on September. Like, Jambi had a good September that where it carried the A's to the playoffs. It's so infuriating because having good games in September, while it seems awesome and it seems like this person is coming up clutch, those games in September count the same amount as they count in April. So to put extra weight on September games as if they're bigger than the other ones is ridiculous. That's what they did with Jason Giammi. That's how he overtook Frank and the steroids that he was taking. Oh, yeah, and, and the steroids. This year, <laughs> this year, they tried to take it away from Abreu again that same reason. Jose Ramirez, wow, what a September he had. It's, it's the whole season. It's not just a great September, and he did have a great one, but September is not more valuable than April, than May, than March. Uh, whatever month you play regular season baseball games in, it's a saint.
1: Yeah, so, you know, Jose Ramirez had a great September there, and people thought that he was going to, you know, you, you called it last night, stealing the election. You, I, you know, I was worried about that because he was just on fire. We certainly saw him as, as White Sox fans enough in September to think, oh, maybe you can give Jose a run for his money here, but it was not the case. So let's break down the voting real quick uh, before we sort of walk you through the career of Jose Abreu in a White Sox uniform, everything that led up to this point. So 21 first place votes for Jose Abreu, Jose Ramirez with 8 and DJ LeMahieu with 1. And I had the feeling before this award ceremony got going, I was like, "Oh my god, they are going to they're going to give it to DJ LeMahieu because the they, tried. they the, the stats that they were showing, um, you know, they they showed batting average and they showed OPS and you know, they highlight the stats that that stick out for the three candidates and I thought they were gonna do the old New York thing and and steal it away from Jose Breu and give it to DJ Lemayu. Did you have those thoughts too when you when you saw yeah, that? Like, yeah,
0: they were like, "Hey, he led the league in average and he led the league and went war uh, with that weighted runs created plus." So he, a New York guy, should get the <laughs> award. And I was thinking, I've been thinking that for a while. Like they're gonna give it to somebody else, and I'm glad I was wrong because they didn't deserve it. I mean, they had good numbers and. Understood, but Abreu was consistent throughout the whole regular season. He was great throughout the whole regular season. While Jose Ramirez came in late and did to the him match, himself in the late months where he overtook him for the batting title and then just kept on hitting, I think Jose is a testament to leading the league in RBIs and hits. I think we've seen that only four people have done that in the history of the game. Um, American League, so it was like Jim Rice, Yaz, and I think Ted Williams, maybe or somebody else. I got the third person lot wrong. I think it's two Red Sox and then some other guy who's not a Red Sox after that. But um, yeah, it's a very but, but very, lineage, uh, hallow- but,
1: but still right there. That's lineage with with Yaz, Ted Williams, and Jim Rice there, and we sort of have the parallels with the White Sox with with Jose Abreu, Paul Konerko, and Frank Thomas. But, yeah, you know, Jose just with his his final numbers for 2020 um, before we get to more of the voting uh, things here. Um, played all 60 games, notably the 76 hits, led the league in hits, 60 RBI. You, people could care or not care about that. I, I believe it means something. We talked about that at length. Uh, 317 batting average, 370 OBP. 617 mm-hmm. slugging percentage, good for a 987 OPS and 148 total bases uh, with a OPS plus of 166. Um, just just a, a great year for Jose Abreu, and to, 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 there are some other White Sox here in, in the uh, in the AL MVP. Uh, Runner-up category, um, the closest one to to Jose Abreu was T. A. Now T. A. found himself one, two, three, four, five, six, seventh on this list. He got one third-place vote, and uh, that was that was cool to see. But if you listen to this show throughout the course of the year, it, it was always that fun back and forth where we all know Jose Abreu was the MVP. He's like the cornerstone, like the rock in the middle of the lineup that that holds it all together. But T. A. was was the spark for this team and it's just funny like how Jose began to pick up momentum because i think everyone was actively pushing this you know for Jose like you heard his teammates speak out and we talked about that that might be something that separates him a little bit. Obviously, he had a great year, but once you saw this teammates come out and say, "Yeah, this is this is Jose's award," and then you hear the broadcasters talking about it, and that becomes the the national talking point. So it's good that you know these things can work positively because we've see, certainly seen it work negatively over the past week or so when you talk about uh, negative uh, talking points uh, across baseball in your organization. But um, and also notable for the the White Sox here, Dallas Keuchel. Uh, he got a couple of, he got a 10th place vote. For American League MVP, what in the hell are you
0: doing? <laughs> I mean, they had another guy giving Ryan Tapera a tenth place. Yeah, there.
1: I saw that. That's hilarious. Uh, yeah, a Hall of Fame writer too, right?
0: <laughs> yeah, I think Rick Hummel of St. Uh, Louis Post Dispatch. So yeah. yeah, he probably he said he made a mistake. He wanted to vote for Trey Turner instead. He voted for Ryan Tapera, Cubs reliever. <laughs>
1: good lord um so hey I,
0: I don't know hey if ryan to has something in his contract that says if you get any mvp votes you get a certain amount of money this is going to be great for his bottom line i don't think he will because he's still i think on a rookie contract i gotta check that but man it, then rick hummel might have made this man some money same thing i think he got a 10th place vote too
1: they're just throwing away, uh, throwing the MVP votes at you on the north side. You're yeah, good I'm, for them. Yeah, yeah
0: remember this, like they got the ire of the national media up that uh, James Fegan voted for uh, <laughs> Yohan Moncada last year. Right, and deserved to be voted for. Absolutely. And now we're getting people just blatantly fucking up for people who don't deserve <laughs> to be up here. Come
1: on. Now. <laughs> All right, you you bring up an interesting name. I had Yohan's name running through my mind before we sat down. So if you had to handicap. Um the, the next White Sox player to win an MVP award is, is he on the current roster and if so whom?
0: I think he is on the current roster. What about yourself? Um I'll
1: yeah, tell you I, I, would, I would I would think so. That's yeah, the, the talent is as good as it's going to get I think in in a in a while for the next decade or so. I think the the core is here, but yeah, go go ahead. Who do you think it's going to be?
0: I think the next MVP on the White Sox is going to be Luis Robert. He is going to mm. be an MVP ta- years years Over like multiple times, and the reason I'm not saying Tim is because I'm doubting him again. I don't think he can do
1: it. It's been working true. Prove me wrong, Tim. (laughs) Hell,
0: prove me wrong. Uh, You can be this MVP level every year. I don't think he can. So, I'm gonna go with my man Luis Robert because just learning the game and the man is already a beast. So, I'm in. What about yourself? I
1: I think I I think Luis Robert will win his share of of, uh, postseason awards, MVP being one of them. But I think the next one to do it. And I don't want to get greedy here, make it seem like it's going to be a decade of dominance or whatever for the White Sox. But I, I think, I think it could be, it could be Ta. I think the way he he finished off the season, having a strong postseason, if he can carry that going into the 2021, he's now on the national radar. He's the next guy. You know, he'll be like the hipster pick. I think for a lot of people because he's so much on the forefront of of the of the modern age of of baseball and. The, the The era of baseball player, you know, you know, selling themselves and making things fun. and of course, you know the the bat tosses and all that stuff. but I, I think he's got the all around ability, you know to to put himself in in the conversation for MB, MVP. We know that. You know, the, his leading the league in hitting wasn't necessarily a fluke. Like he, he was still second behind DJ LeMahieu this year in batting average, and then you know picked it up again heading into the postseason. So I think I think TA could be your next one, just because he'll he has the capability to do so many things on a baseball field to help you win games. And if the Sox are good in 2021, it'll be largely because Tim Anderson stays healthy on the field and builds, keeps building and improving and improving that defense and and fine tuning his offensive game. I, I think he'll be in the mix for the next MVP. But, you know, of course you got Mankata as well, who if he comes back, you know, to his normal self in 2021, he can be in that mix, but he's just such a quiet guy, you know? Like, and I, I don't know if you, if you ever see him. Like, it'll, there's so, there's a lot of star power on this team, which is, which is a good thing, obviously. But I think it's going to be the one who gets the most uh, TV time, most interviews, and then the guy whose jersey that kids are buying. I think that'll be the one who people sort of zero in on for the MVP when you have a, a roster that's stacked with so much talent as the White Sox have, but certainly something to look to look forward to, but we're here to talk about Jose Abreu today, and it was really an interesting journey for Jose Abreu. I was thinking about it. You know, we talked about him now being in You have to talk about him as one of the all-time White Sox greats now. I mean, there's only four different guys won the MVP award for the White Sox, and Jose being the latest. And, you know, the the numbers are impressive this year, and, and what he's done since coming over here from Cuba. To put it in perspective, you know, at the age of 33, Jose winning this MVP award, it's pretty improbable, but almost not as improbable as his journey to get here. So if you think about this, 10 years ago, For Cienfuegos in Cuba, Jose Abreu set the Cuban League home run record with 33. He was only 23 years old at the time, obviously. But he set the record at a a young age and had such a prolific career in Cuba. He played uh, alongside guys that are still in the league like Leonis Martín, and uh, Yuli Gurriel also, but Jose was the best of that group, and now you know the fact that he's able to carry that over into Major League Baseball is is quite an accomplishment. But I, I was thinking about the night that we all found out that Jose Abreu was going to be signing with the White Sox, and. It was 2013 ALCS, Game 5. Red Sox beat the Tigers that night behind a stellar pitching performance by John Lester. And then Ken Rosenthal breaks in uh, to share all the news uh, with the world about the White Sox. Big news for the White Sox. Now we go to Ken Rosenthal. Jose Abreu finalizing
0: terms on a six-year, $68 million contract. He would be the long-term replacement for Paul Konerko. This is the richest deal ever given a first-time player.
1: So it was kind of cool that night to break into a national game, an ALCS game, and have the White Sox be the topic of conversation. And I think we all thought, hey, you know, that was the biggest contract the White Sox had ever given out at that time. And it took them, uh, what would that have been, five years or six years before they gave it out to uh, to Yasmani Grandal. So obviously, it's not a team that throws around money like that. So everyone was kind of shocked. Um, what do you remember about th- about that offseason of 2013? And you know, I don't remember hearing a whole lot about Abreu in general. You know, because Kenny was in stealth mode, K-Dub mode back then, you know, going down to Cuba or, or the Dominican <laughs> and scouting, you know, Jose, but what do you remember about just sort of sort of that time, and, and did you have any expectations for Jose coming in? Because I, I certainly didn't know what to expect, because you never know how, how the Cuban game is going to translate to the modern Major League game.
0: Yeah, I don't know if we had Kevin Goldstein on at that time. He might have already went to the Astros and then cheated a little bit more, <laughs> but it was some expert we had on and he just by, much by saying, the way
1: i don't know if we ever made this joke on this show before i know we said it on the score but you know kevin goldstein's emails i think were 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 probed and i wonder how many of our emails to ours. him yeah were were seen uh, by prying eyes like hey kevin could you come on the show thanks appreciate it you know him and God, ja- i got to run
0: through all these mundane ass <laughs> fucking emails <laughs> yeah J- what the J- fuck is actor 123
1: <laughs> yeah him and jason parks did a great podcast at the time jason parks i believe is worth the uh with the d-backs now after being with the cubs for a while but yeah that's uh, that's kind of a funny footnote like wondering how many score producer emails uh, were, were <laughs> subpoenaed or, or you know looked at so
0: um but yeah i remember him or somebody else saying that what jose abreu did in that cuban league that cuban league is like double a of the american league so he's gonna be a guy that's gonna replicate these numbers and maybe even more. Remember, there's an article that said Jose Abreu is going to be a beast and you better watch out for him. And I remember hit the scene and I was like, dude, didn't spend a second in the minors, not one second. And he's up here murdering the ball. I remember the Grant Balfour home run. Which yeah, was so I've, delicious. Got, I've I got that like, here.
1: Yeah, let's get to that as we as we go through his awesome rookie year among other career highlights. So, yeah, so you mentioned the Grant Balfour home run. And Ken Rosenthal mentions in that clip that Jose Baez coming to be Paul Konerko's replacement, and I think we were all kind of caught up in, in the poly you know, Paulie Mania at that time, saying goodbye to a, a living legend. You know, it was said uh, by the great uh, Bill Lee in the Ken Burns baseball documentary. Um, he, I forgot who he was talking about. Maybe it was Al Kaline, but they said the man had pigeon shit on his shoulder because he was already a statue, and that's kind of the way we felt about Paul Konerko at the time. But mm-hmm. here, here it is. It was fun to watch PK and Abreu and some of those other guys and Dunn when he was on, on the rare occasion. But uh, April twenty fifth, twenty fourteen, there was in the ninth inning, Sox load the bases. I believe Paul Konerko got hit by Grant Balfour to get on base for Jose. There was there was there was a back and forth there. Grant Balfour being one of the great. Um, great adversaries in White Sox history, uh, a very very bad history, a very short history uh, but there was always seen to be Grant Balfour right in the middle of it and Jose Abreu comes up in his rookie season only 24 games into his rookie season and he has what was one of his signature moments of his career
0: that ball hit hard, get over his head way back, he looks up you can put it on the board yes A grand slam by Jose Abreu, and the Sox went it 9-6. to six. Our kids just will
1: not quit. So at that point, it had been six seasons <laughs> since the White Sox <laughs> made their last postseason appearance. And that was the first time in a good five or six years mm. where, I, where I felt some excitement around the organization. And you just f- had that feeling that Jose was going to be a special player. And it took another six years for that feeling to be matched, I think you know after the the rebuild and and the, the the dwindling away of of the the little mini core that they had with Sale and Quintana and Eaton after, and and Abreu, but after that fizzled out, it was a lot of dark days. So that it was it was few and far between. But that moment early on for for Jose was one of the signature moments of his career.
0: Yeah, and. Like I, things like that didn't really happen for the White Sox in that period of time. I know the couple of years before we had competed in 2012, but like I felt that home run was signifying something special at the time. I remember it was uh, him and Avi Garcia and it was like the early parts of Avi Garcia's White Sox career. I think eventually he got hurt in Colorado where I think Jose Abreu hit his first home run ever i think
1: yes if i, remember, I, if yeah. I recall i remember if a lot of firsts because i'm a sentimental bastard i was there for jose's first hit to opening day of 14 and yeah his first home run was in colorado where, where everyone hit a home run that night they they beat the shit out of the rockies that night yeah. yeah
0: and yeah and that's where avi got hurt for the year that's where he was like diving at first
1: the next so, day i think don't, yeah
0: don't do that shit anymore so um yeah so it, that just like signified like i'm here the, the pressure doesn't get to me. I stay relaxed in so-called high-pressure situations, and I serve every ball to right field if you're going to throw it that way. It was like a high-fastball way, and he just murdered that pitch. And to hit it off of Grant Balfour, who had disrespected our guy, Aldo uh, Cabrera, a couple <laughs> years before uh, during the Tampa Bay Rays uh, AL championship run, just made me mad. At that time, and to do it off of him, mm, it was so delicious. I I couldn't loved it. I couldn't have loved it more.
1: Absolutely. So Jose Abreu finishes that season, um, hitting three seventeen, OBP of three eighty three, slugging five eighty one, good for an OPS plus of one seventy three and a nine sixty four OPS. Uh, He's an All Star. He was fourth in the MVP award that year as well. In addition to being the Rookie of the Year, he is one of the few guys to win Rookie of the Year and then go on to win the MVP award. And the others were Freddie Lynn in 1975, Ichiro Suzuki in 2001. They, they of course, did it the the same season. But yeah, it's, it's very few and far between uh, for guys to do that. It doesn't happen as much as you'd think. Um, but, yeah, just, just an amazing career for Jose Abreu in a White Sox uniform and for a guy like him to go out there every day and, and just perform and not to mention all the personal things that were going on in his life after mm-hmm. coming over from Cuba that, that we've talked about recently on the podcast, you know, before there was, you know, people could come over legally and he couldn't see his family and had to had to be, had to be a, a lot for him. And he still came out every day when the bell rang, he was ready to go, always prepared, always outworking everyone else, leading by example, even as a, as a younger player, uh, for the White Sox, and now it's starting to finally uh, pay off. I think for him, for for being persistent and sticking with it. Um, we're gonna take a quick break here, and, and when we come back, I've got an audio treat for you, and we're gonna hear Jose in his own words, or in Billy Russo's words, I should say, uh, about Tony Larusa. He was asked in his MVP teleconference about Tony Larusa. So we'll be right back after a brief word from Built Bar. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. And somehow, the new and improved built Bar is even delicious-er. They've got 18 amazing flavors, including six brand-new flavors, caramel brownie cookies and cream, lemon almond cheesecake, cherry barcia, carrot cake, and apple almond crisp. And of course, for all you built Bar lifers out there that have been with us since day one, you know about the great flavors. My favorite, the German chocolate, but they've also got peanut butter, banana bread, milk brownie, salted caramel, so many others. Built Bars are covered in 100% chocolate. They're soft delicious and easy to chew i've had a lot of other protein bars out there built bar by far my favorite they are healthy they're great if you're a health conscious guy or girl on the go and they're perfect for if you're trying to lose or maintain weight while still indulging in a delicious treat and let's face it with everything going on in the world today a lot of people are stress eating so if you're going to do that and you want something sweet built bars are perfect for that just keep them in your desk drawer at work or at home in your at-home workspace keep it all right there for you so you always have a built bar at the ready and now you can get a free cooler with your purchase while supplies last so all you have to do is go to builtbar.com and use our promo code locked on and you'll get 20% off of your next order again that's promo code locked on for 20% off at builtbar.com builtbar bar is the best tasting protein bar ever all right so jose abreu in his post mvp award teleconference with the media went on about uh, 20 minutes or so and you know it was it was it was just cool like just going back to his reaction i want to mention this before we get out of here just seeing him there after josh donaldson called his name just with his head down on the table sobbing because he was so happy and so emotional and i'm an emotional guy and i'm a sentimental guy and that like that got you know got me a little bit emotional too seeing him react that way it was just it was so cool you know what i mean like A lot of guys act too cool for the room, but he's just—it was just overwhelmed by emotions because you had to think all the things running through his mind just to get to this point. But I thought that was really cool.
0: Yeah, it was very cool. Uh, That's what I was thinking—like that he's thinking about all the people, how hard it was, how much work he put into that, missing his family. Like I remember the back in the day, like he didn't see his kid for years, like years. Like imagine a young kid too. I couldn't, like, in the flesh, I couldn't imagine coming to a place where you don't speak the native language and you don't have that many close contacts, no family, and you can't see your kid. And it's like you're still supposed to just do your job like nothing's happened because we would have shit on him if he did, <laughs> didn't do his job, you know? People would have dep- dep- depended on He signed the largest deal in White Sox history at the time, so we don't care about all that extra stuff off the field. But now you think about it, that's probably why he was breaking down like all this stuff. And now I've reached the pinnacle of individual success in my sport. Unbelievable.
1: Yeah. And he's such a, a family guy. So I, I love, you know, seeing his story play out. He points to the photo of his, uh, of his deceased mm. grandmother, which is really cool that like that was before he even uttered a word, he just points to the photo and, and he, and he continues to, to be emotional and then he talks about his mother, like he's his mother's MVP. And his mom, you know, we think about 79, we're going to think Jose Abreu for the rest of our lives as White Sox fans. Because that number's going up to the rafters. And he's probably going to get a statue because Jerry loves him so much. Jerry Reinstorf notably gave Jose a ring for hitting the cycle, which I was there that night uh, on the south side when he hit that cycle. But, was
0: that versus the Rockies, too?
1: Um, you know what? I don't remember. Because you know why it's funny? Because... Uh, I don't even remember, like in the moment, like, like not like realizing that he was that he had a cycle going because it's just it's so unconventional for someone like him to hit one, and all of a sudden, like you know, I think it was a uh, I, don't, I think it was a, a triple. Uh, they got on yes. the cycle, and I thought everyone was just excited because a uh, first baseman hit a triple. But then you realize shortly after that it was a cycle, and I remember—I don't know why I got one. I think maybe the Sox sent it to me, just you know, to the score. But I have a magnet down here on my beer fridge commemorating Jose Abreu's cycle, and then Jose Abreu gets a ring from Jerry Reinsdorf. So you know, so it
0: was versus the Giants.
1: Yes. Yes. Sense. Okay. Yeah. Now I can. Yeah, I can tell you everything else about that night. I think that was also Tim Raines' starting lineup figure uh, night. <laughs> like I remember, I remember games by what they gave away, not as uh, what type of shit happened on the field. That goes to show you how sentimental I am. I'm very materialistic, in my opinion. But uh, yeah. So that. So you know, it gets the cycle. And where were we? We're just rambling on here. Uh, where, so yeah. So getting emotional. You know, talking about his mom, and his mom is the one that 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 told him to wear number seventy nine, so they would remember him forever. And his mom seemed very seemed very prescient that now, thinking going back and thinking about it, like, you know, she knew her son was going to be great, and now the seventy nine seemed weird and unconventional. And I was like, this is so weird and a White Sox thing to do to have a guy wearing this odd number. But now you have. Eloy wearing seventy four and now in Robert wearing eighty eight and like the socks now are on the verge of this new trend of guys wearing unconventional numbers, but you remember those numbers right away. You know what I mean? So it's it's pretty cool to to hear him talk about his family like that and, and just see his family supporting him and being around him and it, his wife and, and kid were there in the shot too on TV. So that was really cool. Um but, you know, of course, the dark cloud hanging over everything still is Tony La Russa. And the White Sox did come out with a statement today after Tony La Russa's lawyer made a statement. Um, White Sox say this, quote, As Tony La Russa's attorney said in his statement, Tony deserves all the assumptions and protections granted to everyone in a court of law, especially while this is a pending matter. Once his case reaches resolution in the courts, we'll have more to say. The White Sox understand the seriousness of these charges. Um, a little cryptic maybe, um definitely odd, uh, to the point I guess, but before we get to Jose's comments, what'd you think about the White Sox statement earlier today?
0: Just milk toast, just trash, you know. Don't say anything. If you're gonna just parrot what the lawyer already said, you don't need to say anything. Um it doesn't make sense. I mean, I would want them like to take three days to say that is insulting to your fan base. Um Either don't say anything at all and keep that energy going, or say something with some with some some heft to it, something to it. It's just, ugh, I just don't like how this whole thing is playing out and how we're talking about this on a day we're supposed to be talking about Jose Abreu. That's what they've created.
1: Absolutely. And there was no, you know, we. I don't know. It just it just seems so weird the way they're hiding behind the the legalities of this situation. And I know it's important because it's the difference between a man serving time in jail or not, most likely. So you have to be careful. But, yeah, just I wish I wish there would be more. I wish a public figure would have come out and said something, um, you know, any anything. But this just seems very odd and a little very cold. So maybe that's a good thing. You know, maybe we talked about it last night or on uh, on Wednesday night. If we hear in this Friday, you know, we talked about how this could be a situation where they wait another almost a month before this court case to gets resolved, and we may see them make a decision or not make a decision at that time. But that they seem to be hiding behind the legalese of this, which I don't know how to interpret at this point. But you know, I would think if if Tony was going to be their guy for sure, no doubt about it, you -hmm. would see something like. We stand behind Tony during this time. You know, he's prepared, you know, to to have his fate, you know, surrendered to a court of law, things like that. But this just seems, yeah, yeah this seems like contradictory to that, where they're just like, yeah, we know it's serious, you know, but there's a legal matter and we'll, you know, discuss it further when it's resolved. So I don't know. I, get, so I I would
0: respect that more if they would just say, hey, Tony made a mistake. He's, you know, but he didn't make the mistake that they're charging him with. What we're going to do is have Tony as part of our family. He's been right. part of our family since 1979. Um, we're going to stand behind him. And as a White Sox club, I hope you, the fans, we understand whether you think DUIs are serious, and we do too. But we're going to stand behind Tony as he has a, uh, a presumption of innocence until he gets his day in court type of thing. Yeah. I would have been like, I hate it, but also good job getting in front of it, and I know where you are. See, now this leads to, and I know they're not going to do this, but once the decision's made and Tony's guilty, which it's going to happen, are they going to say, hey, yeah, he's guilty of driving under the influence? We're hiring him. We're keeping him. No, the only thing you could say, the statement that would have some teeth to it would say, we're firing Tony LaRusso because he's guilty of this crime. For the second time in his life, as a 76-year-old, poor judgment doesn't pertain to what we're trying to do in the White Sox. That's the only thing I could think they could say if they're waiting for uh, this judgment. Otherwise, just to say, "Hey, yeah, Tony fucked up, and we're keeping him." That at that time be real fucked up. Just say, "Where you gonna keep him right now?" If you know (laughs) that, then
1: yeah, exactly. So Jose was asked about it, and to give you a little context here, so. After something like this, after a major award salute in baseball, you know you're gonna have a lot of you're gonna have your typical local media being a part of this conference call. It wasn't a Zoom call. It was a lot of writers on the on this phone call, and you're gonna have a lot of national media guys, and a lot of them are just looking for a quote for their national story, you know, because they're gonna write a little bit about Jose. They'll write a little bit about Freddie Freeman who won in the National League. So, you know, there's so many people here. It's not gonna get incredibly in depth. But uh, credit to our guy Bruce Levine, who was the first to, uh, you know, address the elephant in the room here. Uh, about 18 minutes into uh, the the teleconference with Jose, Bruce asked Jose about Tony Larusa.
0: Jose, uh, everybody knows you're leader on this team. Do you uh, do you feel responsible after winning this award and being this leader to uh, help uh, the new manager Tony Larusa to? Uh, Able to communicate with everybody, and uh, do you feel that this is going to be a good thing for the White Sox?
1: I cannot question if Tony is the right person for
0: his number or not. That is not my call, or, you know, and, you know, I can say one thing or another just because people want me to say something. What I can say is that Ricky was a great manager, he was a great person, he helped me a lot, and uh, I I, I was pretty honored to be part of a team that, that he managed. At the same time, I'm really excited to have the chance to play for a manager like Tony LaRusa. I think we have to wait to see how this goes. And, uh, you know, I can't really say much about it, but I'm I'm excited to have a manager with the history that Tony has.
1: So I should note that's Billy Russo. I I took out Jose's uh, part in Spanish. You know, I know we do have have Spanish speaking listeners, but just for the sake of time, I got right to uh, Billy Russo's translation of the answer. So, you know, not a, you know, not an over the top endorsement, but I, I think you know Jose has played for two managers in his career: Robin Ventura early on, and then Ricky Renteria for the majority of his career. So obviously, there's still a lot of love for Ricky in that clubhouse. So I don't expect uh-huh. you know Jose. He's just Jose a class act. He's I don't think he's not the type of guy. He he picks his spots. You know he he only broke bad on the front office one time. And that was at the trade deadline in 2019. When he was talking about, you know, hey, we have guys here that can help, like Luis Robert, and things like that, and you know, make a trade to to help this roster out a little bit. And the Sox didn't do anything, but you know, he's not a guy that's going to break bad, and he's not the guy you want out there per se to to speak on the the state of your franchise because of the language gap. And he's just he's just a classy guy, and he's not going to go out there and, and make waves. But it is kind of telling there, you know, it doesn't sound like has spoken to to Jose. I would. I, I am interested to see if we see that floated out there. Like Tony Larusa reached out to Jose Abreu, congratulating him on his MVP award. We know Tony speaks Spanish. It would be the right thing to do. Um, mm-hmm. I think. I think you got real problems there if, if Tony doesn't reach out to Jose Abreu. And that's maybe not be something that you that you hear, you know, or you or you see reported. That may be something that just happens, and you know, we may never know about it. But I, I think they'd be well served to float that out there if indeed it does occur. But you know. I know it's kind of tough, but what did you? What was your take on hearing what Jose you had to say about, you know, sort of uh, he doesn't know if, if Tony LaRusso is the right guy or not, but but he loves Ricky and he's excited to play for Tony.
0: Um, It was more than I was expecting to get from him. You know, at least like something other than, hey, I can't answer that type of thing. But yeah, showing his love for Ricky, which, of course, yeah, he's uh, Ricky treated him really awesome. And I'm sure he was like a mentor and a guy can uh, help him in his career. A young uh, Latino guy like himself, played in the league, understands what's going down. And to lose the guy, especially after reaching the playoffs, is probably a shock to them all. And then to replace him with this guy with all these troubles, I'm sure Jose and a lot of people are like, why do we lose the guy that was doing all the stuff that went through the hell with us and now we're at the pinnacle? You want to leave him off the – you won't leave them out on the side of the road, um, so I'm probably you know I'm, I got he didn't say a lot there, you know didn't really denigrate the hiring of Tony Larusa. He didn't you know uh, uh, give you any clues to how he's feeling, but he said more than I would think that uh, somebody would say like they would instruct him, hey, don't say anything about it, just you know say happy words about Renteria type of thing. But uh, I'm glad he said what he said and. You know, I'll I'll be looking forward to if Tony LaRusso does reach out to him because this is the perfect opportunity. If he already hasn't, I mean, seriously, you got hired like a week and a half ago. Yeah, we're recording this um, Thursday
1: night. It's it's nine forty one Central so two Time. Two weeks ago, th- there. Yeah. Th- Thursday night. He's been hired for two weeks, and so far the the MVP awards been handed out for for about four hours now at this point. Um, so so Jose Abreu should have gotten a phone call by now by Tony oh, yeah. La <laughs> Absolutely.
0: Yeah, and so, yeah, I would I would um, think that Jose would want that. He would want his new sk- skipper to give him some reassurance as a guy like most of these guys who love Ricky and see you as that stepfather who's dating his mom now. you got to ingratiate yourself to the kid and show him that you're worthy of the job that you have currently. And, you know, you're not there to replace Ricky. You're there to do a different job than what Ricky was because these guys, most of them grew up with Ricky under his tutelage. So just at the very least, just to reach out to these guys to soothe that, introduce yourself. That's what a leader does. And we pretty much had problems with Tony Russo from jump on different different issues that didn't have to do with endgame stuff. But now this uh, DUI thing, the in-game stuff really comes to the forefront because you're a 76-year-old man making the same mistakes you made uh, 13 years before, prior, where you said you weren't gonna do it. And believe me, guys, he's only been caught twice drunk driving. He's drunk drive, drive uh, drunk driven for a long time. If he's still doing that, 76.
1: So we'll wrap it up here, and i prepared a special audio treat here. Jose Abreu, your 2020 American League MVP, He's the first Cuban-born player to be named MVP since Jose Canseco, <laughs> only snitching because finished back in 1988. <laughs> every time, like there was a thing last night on Twitter, like what Rick Ross line do you you know do you blurt out say. that yeah that's it's uh it's that it's that one and it's phone ringing gotta be the Mexicans. But every time I think of of, of, of Jose Jose Canseco, I think of Rick Ross. Um, So, Jose Abreu also, it's only the 15th time a first baseman has won the MVP award in the American League. Um, The first uh, since Justin Morneau, White Sox legend, and uh, the aforementioned Jason Giambi. So I prepared a special audio treat uh, on our way out here. Uh, you know, very seldomly do I flex the the audio skills on this podcast. It's a uh, you know, it's uh it's my bread and butter, as Tony Soprano would say, in, in my radio career. I, I do it every day on 670 the Score, but uh, I figured I'd do it tonight to to celebrate this because it doesn't happen a lot. It's not since 1994. But before we get out of here, before I play this little Jose Abreu tribute montage for 2020. This will be our last time recording this week until the mailbag on Monday. So how can they get a hold of us for mailbag Monday?
0: You need to email us at LockedOnSocks at gmail.com. LockedOnSocks at gmail.com is our email. Send your questions, your comments, whatever you want to send. Doesn't have to be about baseball or the White Sox. It can be about anything. We'll read them. Not all of them make the show. So send them down.
1: Please do. And just real quick, you know, I hope you guys have a great weekend. Uh, It's going to be tough times ahead if you're listening to us in Chicago and and in in Illinois, listeners, you know, with the the lockdowns, you know, beginning again on Monday. And I know it's a lot less scary this time around. We know what to expect. And a lot of us are pretty much living in a lockdown as it is. Uh, It's things are have not been the same since March, but just, you know stay with us and if you need to talk to someone do so and you know if you need to shoot us a note just to check in i'd love to talk to you guys and if you can support your local businesses out here man like there's a lot of great places wherever you're listening to us that that could use your support uh restaurant wise you know it's it's they're going to be closing down you can't eat inside and as the weather gets cold out there you're not going to be able to eat outside either so i know i've been trying my best to to hit all of the uh, local establishments, uh, in eateries that I, that I like to frequent. And you know, there's, it's a lot, it's a very polarizing topic because they want to stay open, but people think that just cause they want to stay open, that means they care about money more than lives, which is not true. Like there's lives of people that work in those restaurants that, that, you know, they, they need this income to survive. And I know it's nothing close to when business is thriving and people can eat indoors in their, in their establishments, but try to help out your, your local spot and order takeout from them a couple times a week. Spread the, the love around. Try a new place that that you've always meant to try, uh, if you if you have the means and, and eat out uh, more often. You know, in, in the next few months. And just try to be safe, safe out there, man. We're thinking about all you guys that are affected by this, and and things will get better, man. We just got to stick it out this winter. But we're thinking about all you guys and our and our people in the service industry for sure. And I know a lot of people have a lot of difficult decisions to make around the Thanksgiving and Christmas holidays. So make smart decisions. Um, but you know, I, I, I you know don't let government run your life. But just use some common sense and be safe if you're going to get around family members. Like quarantine ahead of time and that'd be and then quarantine after the fact you know if you have the luxury to do that so yeah I just, I just wanted to put that out there you just you know to keep your head up out there chicagoans and people listening uh abroad you know it's it's gonna be it's gonna be tough but you know hopefully we'll be back at the ballpark uh in in april so that's all i got before we get to this abreu tribute anything else you want to add to that herb
0: no you said it perfectly so for chris Tannehill, at Chris Tannehill on Twitter. Me, Herb Lawrence, Wall 23 The show is at Locked on Socks. So, as I usually end it with, you know, Locked on Socks, but of course, we got a treat right here from Chris Tannehill and his great skills. So, I bid you adieu.
1: Batting third and playing first base, number 79, Jose Abreu.
0: When he was in Cuba, he had the nickname Peter. Jose Attire, of the year to where he is now he is an rbi machine one of the elite players one of the elite hitters in the game jose has been pretty much locked in this entire season
1: oh that ball's hammered way out of here bring him home again goodness gracious jose a is this your mvp aj no doubt oh one more for the road bring him home again
0: it's still bouncing around second one tonight for Jose we've heard his thoughts that even if we don't resign him he's gonna resign himself and we've heard Jerry's thoughts about how he's always gonna wear a White Sox uniform so I don't think they're gonna be teaching this in negotiation classes in colleges anytime soon how how this one's unfolding one more time bring him home four for four with a walk and three by a 22 game hit streak for Jose Abreu. Jose Abreu is hot as we have ever seen him. You hear people doubt you, they don't believe in you, and,
1: and you're know, proving they're wrong. I gotta believe he's the leader in the clubhouse for the AL. Yeah. Big t- you think Abreu? so? Yes. Abreu seeking an MVP trophy. Jose Abreu
0: pounds one to clear the bases. 19 home runs, a run per game driven in. He's probably hitting 320 right now. It
1: is good. By plenty, the MVP candidate Jose Abreu. I think he sealed the deal.
0: Your 2020 MVP of the American League this year is Jose Abreu. Jose, Jose. Abreu reacting, holding up the arms.
1: 21 first place votes for Jose Abreu. Jose Abreu. Jose Abreu. Jose
0: Abreu.